All right, we're going to talk about kingdom joy. How many of you like joy? (laughs) I didn't even think of that, man. I could have used that. Shane Spear. (laughs) That's your new name. Shane Spear. Because you said it was Shakespeare's birthday, too. Shane Spear. Plus, it's kind of manny. It looks like a spear, Shane Spear. All right. Um, not lemon joy. God, I'm so easily distracted. I apologize. Last week, I didn't even listen. And here I go doing it again. I didn't even get back to the point I wanted to get to about, about, about Jesus being, being so relational and seeing things for, through other people's perspectives because he came down and saw it through our perspective that now we get to see it through his perspective because I got caught up on, on uh, Morgan Freeman's voice and... That's welcome to my mind. It was, it was Carol's. Yeah. <laughs> but this, it's not your fault, Carol. It's my fault. Your Bible can talk all at once. And so, uh, anyway, so put, welcome to my mind. I, I, I jumped from one thing to another really quickly. So, anyway, we're going to try to focus on joy today. Um, I want to preface this with a short story. Um, some of you read a brief uh, bit about it on Facebook, talking about Kylie, and she hates when I talk about her, so don't tell her because she really, she's really funny about that. Um, but I'll talk about all our kids in general, but all of our kids know that in our home, they, they have pretty much free reign to anything they want. They don't have to beg me for it. They don't have to ask me for it. They know within my kingdom, within my house, everything I have is theirs. They don't owe me anything for it, even though she tried to pay me back for her birthday present. They, re- they don't owe me anything for it, and I had to explain it. Look, this is a gift. I desire to give my children things, and I desire for them to have a good life, not just with things and stuff like that. But I, I desire them to have good, uh, a good life and pure joy and, and, and all that um, because that's my heart as a father for them. Does that make sense? Um, and so it's not complicated. And they, and they depend on me. Whether they know it or not, they depend on me. Um, they don't have a job even though I try to tell them all the time they need to start looking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they don't have a job. And although Kylie's already, uh, see, here we go again. Kylie's already talking about opening up a T-shirt shop or a snow cone stand. She's pretty adamant about it. And I'm not against it. But anyway, so, so uh, yeah, whatever. So snow cone t-shirts. But the, uh, but the thing is, they, without even asking me, without even stressing out about it, they know that they're, they're going to be taken care of. They're going to have food. They're going to have <laughs> they're gonna food and water, at least. But they're, they're going to have food. They're going to have water. We're going to do things, and we're going to have, have life. And anyway, so they're, they're confident in that, and they're dependent on me. Does that make sense? Um, and they're innocent, right? <laughs> not in everything they do. But in my, in, in my heart, they're innocent. I love them. There's no way that that, that could ever change. Um, so I kind of preface this because as we get into the kingdom, I want you guys to see it kind of from that perspective because uh, that's kind of what the kingdom is like. It really is what the kingdom is like. So um, in Matthew 10, 7, it says, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, when you go preach, tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we've talked about this before. kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look right there at your hand. It's right there. He also said this about when Judas was going to betray him. He said, you know, my betrayal is at hand. How long did it take for that to happen? It wasn't long. Judas came in and kissed him on his cheek. So it gives us an idea of how close at hand is. So, so the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to jump. I know y'all are turning to Matthew 10, 7, but I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump around a little bit, so I apologize. Um, but I just wanted to establish that before we got started. Luke 12, 31 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Do not fear, little flock. I love it how he puts that. Almost like, calm down, little fella. <laughs> Do not fear, little flock. Um, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now listen to what's being said here. We've got two things going on. One, it's at hand. This was before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's, it's there. It's close. Um, and the other thing is, 
it's uh, daddy wants to give it to you, right? He wants to give it to you, not trade you, not you don't owe anything for it. Daddy wants to give it to you. He wants to give you the kingdom, right? Um, we all want to know what is this kingdom we've talked about. It's like a mustard seed. It's like uh, yeast, and it permeates everything, and it's not seen or felt outside, but it's inside, and so there's all this mystery around the kingdom. So we're going to kind of dive into that, but we're going to focus on joy here. So Daddy wants to give it to you. It is at hand. Luke 17, 20 says, The Pharisees asked when the kingdom would come. Jesus answered, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here, see there, because the kingdom of God is within you. One of them says, In your midst. The kingdom of God is within you. Okay? So he's trying to explain to him. Now, think about who he's talking to. He's talking about... Um, a culture that sees the Roman Empire as a kingdom, and so they're, they're trying to, to grab onto something that they understand and place what Jesus is talking about there. Does that make sense? From their perspective, they're saying, okay, where is this kingdom? What's it look like? When is it going to come? You know, who's going to be first? All these things. This kingdom, we want to know more about this kingdom, since that's what you're telling us everybody to go preach anyway. So, uh, so we look at all three here. The kingdom is at hand. Daddy wants to give it to you. Don't worry about seeing it, touching it, or feeling it. So if I can't see it, touch it, or feel it, what's the next obvious question? Something must happen when the kingdom is within us. There has to be some production of something. There has to be something manifest there. There has to be something there. Um, so Matthew 18, 1, and we'll hang out in Matthew for just a minute. I know y'all, if y'all are flipping around in your old school Bibles, I, I'm spoiled to the computer and printing this out, so I apologize if you jot it down and go back to it. I'm not making it up. Matthew 18, 1 says, uh, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Typical stupid question. <laughs> Who's going to be the best? They're still thinking this kingdom, this kind of Roman Empire type of kingdom. Who's going to be up in rank in this kingdom? That's all they want to know. Um, and then 18.2, then Jesus called a little child to, to him, set him where? In the midst. Set him in the midst of them. And I think he's saying something there. And said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So look at how he says this, converted and become as little children. The heart change has already happened, converted. We need a mind change, the metanoia. We need to become as little children. Now, what does that mean? We talked about, I just talked about a minute ago. My kids are fully dependent on me, whether they admit it or not. They, depend, they need me. We talk about this all the time, depending on the Holy Spirit, fully depending on the Holy Spirit. It's hard for us. We have to unthink. We have to unlearn. Years ago, Bill talked me into buying an, an Apple computer. We can edit this out if there's some copyright stuff going on. But, um, and I grew up with PCs my whole life. Didn't know anything about Apple computers. Couldn't afford them, so it didn't even matter. Um, so at one point, uh, I finally caved in, and he talked me into it, and I bought an Apple computer. I had to unlearn everything I learned about how complicated PCs were because Apple computers are a little more intuitive. They, they try to make it easier for people who aren't computer people to figure it out. So I had to unlearn all this other stuff to learn something a little bit simpler. In the same way, no Apple plug. I'm not like an Apple fanboy, but it's simple and it works, and I don't have to, it doesn't ask me questions constantly. Are you sure? Yes, you sure. You want to use it every time? Yes. Uh, 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 just do what I want you to do. Anyway, don't get me started. So, so anyway, in the same way, we have to unlearn this adult mentality that, We've got to figure it out, and we've got to work it out, and we've got to do it all. And we have to reverse that and go, wait, I've got to depend on the Holy Spirit. I've got to not just lean on sometimes, but fully depend on the Holy Spirit, fully depend on my dad in heaven, fully depend on kingdom reality, right? Which is hard. 
because we're not walking around with Jesus physically. We're not. This is an unseen kingdom. This is not established where we can see it structurally. And it's a bit of an upside-down kingdom where we serve each other. Remember the upside-down pyramid where the leader serves everyone and they serve everyone and it goes that way. It's an upside-down pyramid deal. We serve a kingdom that is counterintuitive to the world that we live in. Because the world that we live in, you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get gad. We, we, gad. You get gad. You get bad. We've, we, we've developed our own version of a holiday where we tell our kids, if you're good, Santa will bring you something. If you're bad, you get a lump of coal. <laughs> you know? I mean, we, we, it's, it's pretty normal for us to establish that in relationships and with people. You do, you're good with me, I'm good with you. Good with me, I'm good with you. One of the other things that I posted the other day about Kylie was she heard and understood pretty clearly. I didn't even know she was listening. I forgot that she was in youth bad dad, um, until she told me, she said, you know, uh, my teacher upset me, and I was upset, and I cried, and I was really angry, but, you know, I remembered what we talked about in youth, and, you know, we don't return evil for evil, uh, we, we love people, like, like God loves them, and, and so I brought my teacher a cupcake, and I was like, oh my, this is the most beautiful thing ever, um, and, uh, and one of the teachers commented on it, or not teacher, she was subbing that day. She was like, I saw it, it happened. And then she even brought me a cupcake and I could see that she'd been crying. And, and I was just broken heart. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Um, and then 20 minutes later, she was acting like insane. I was having to get on to her. This is my, tis my life. But, uh, but I mean, this is, this is the reality of the kingdom, the real uh, kingdom that we serve. Not just earth, not just... I say earth because it's not just America, not like I'm anti-American or anything, but it's not just our kingdom or our culture. It's, it's everything other than the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's Jesus or nothing, really. <laughs> it's either this way or we have no hope. I mean, it's, it's pretty cut and dry there. Anyway, I ramble. So our heart has changed. We've talked about this before. Our heart changes. We're done. We're sealed. We're righteous. We're good. But it takes a while for this. We've talked about uh, a slavery mindset if, if you've been a slave for many, many years and you're set free, true, you're free, you're physically free, but your mind has to adapt and change, right? You have to go, okay, I don't have these chains, but I'm kind of comfortable there. I, I know that. I know kind of what to do there. So when freedom hits you, it can be scary sometimes. Huh? Stockholm Syndrome. It, it, it really messes with your mind, and you have to reprogram your mind. So when I preach freedom, some people reject it. And the Bible tells us, look, when you preach grace, it's going to divide families. It's going to set mother against father, kids against... It, does, it doesn't bode well with uh, performance-based people because it hurts their ego. It kills their ego, and that's tough. It's tough to swallow. And so when you start preaching freedom to people, it messes with them because they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've been working for this for years. This guy just stepped in, and, and he's had a terrible life. I've seen it. This is my brother-in-law, you know. And y'all are, y'all are excited about him, you know, getting clean. He's not on drugs anymore. He's only been saved a week. I've been working my butt off, you know. I've been taking out the trash at church and, you know what I mean? I mean, that's the mentality. And it hurts our ego. We have to adjust to that. And I'm not saying we're all that way, but I am, I am saying we're not all free from that. We can, still, we can still get that in us, right? And so in the same way, this, this freedom will mess with people. This, this reality of the kingdom of God, this, this unspeakable joy can mess with people. Have you ever been around anybody probably many of us in here, and they're happy all the time, and you're going, you're making me sick. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. I'm happy that you're happy, but I'm not happy, and, you know, I just see this, this joy, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, I'm probably the only one that's, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with people, but sometimes when 
you, you feel that way. It's like, wow, how can they have that joy? How do they, how do they see that? And it confuses us sometimes. Um, but we'll continue in Matthew. I'll, I'll keep rambling about that. Matthew 18, 4 says, uh, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So this, this swings the pendulum so, so far in that direction of dependency that we can't argue with that. We can't say, well, a little bit. We need to depend on him for these things. No, everything. So every little thing that we do. I love when uh, it was either Jordan or Kylie. Uh, one of them had a scratch on her arm or whatever. And literally I was like, it's a scratch. She wanted a Band-Aid, but it wasn't bleeding. I was like, it's not bleeding. Suck it up. You're good. And then Melissa came over. She, she heard from the Lord that it was a wrist. somebody had a wrist injury or something. And she went over to Jordan and started praying for her. And I was like, oh. And then afterwards we talked about it, she was like, look, he cares about the little things too. And I was like, <laughs> but she was right. I mean, he does. He cares about even the little things. We pray about everything. We, we talk about praying without ceasing. It's not just running around saying our Father who art in heaven. You know, this is, we pray without ceasing. Lord, what do you think about this situation? Lord, how, how, do, I, how do I do this? What direction do I need to go here? It's, it's a continual relationship, right? So we pray without ceasing because this is the reality that we're in. So the grace is, is in the kingdom of heaven is like a child. Romans 4, 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not just joy in the Holy Spirit. It's all three. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. All three of those are found where? In the Holy Spirit. Um. A child has all three of these, and they don't do anything for them. I'm speaking of physical terms between a father and kids, not eternal. I'm not going to get into theology about that, but what I want to talk about is all three of these are found in the innocence of a child. Have you ever seen a child? Jordan is my favorite example of that. She's happy for no reason, and it confuses me sometimes. I'm like, why is that kid so happy all the time? She's like, you know, she's just kind of goofy and and happy all the time. But she has a joy that I can't fully understand because I have a job and stress. (laughs) You know what I mean? She doesn't get all that yet. Um, So she's... She's innocent of, of the reality of how our systems work and how some of, the, some of the things that come with adulthood that kind of jade us a bit, right? So she's innocent of all that. She fully can depend on me if anything happens. Does that make sense? So she has this innocence about her. And the thing about it is uh, the, because children, and that's one of the, the, the greatest offenses is when someone uh, hurts a child or something or, or take, you know, hurts them in their innocence, takes advantage of them. And I can remember growing up that adults would lie to me about stuff all the time, and I didn't know it because I didn't know any better. But I can't imagine, and I'm not talking about just little, you know, Santa Claus lies or whatever. I'm talking about, like, pretty sketchy stuff would lie to me about. Um, and, and I grew up thinking a certain way that were completely wrong. Um, I don't want to get into details about it because I don't start crying again. But... Uh, there's something that cuts us deeply when we see a, uh, an innocent, the innocence of a child taken. Does that make sense? And I think, I think, I think the Lord's the same way when he sees that. Um, and I think he gets kind of puffed up about it like we would too. And, and he takes care of business like we, we talk about all the time. He doesn't play. He doesn't play around with that stuff. He takes care of his kids. So we have three things, righteousness, peace, and joy, right? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, we're going to go backwards here a little bit. Joy is what we want to talk about. Where do we get joy? We get joy when we have peace. Where do we find peace? We find peace when we, when we realize we're righteous. Amen. Right? 
If you, if you don't think you're righteous, you're not going to have the other two. Does that make sense? If for some reason you're convinced that your righteousness is dependent on you or that you've got to continually renew it all the time, you're going to think that you've got to continually renew your joy, your peace. You're going to need some kind of new understanding or new, new thing. You're going to, it's going to be this vicious cycle of you doubting yourself. And it's the same thing the enemy always does is try to make you doubt yourself. Doubt you're not righteous. You're not good enough, right? And all the Lord does, and what we do in here is we build each other up. We don't tear each other down. We're going to build each other up. You are righteous. You're righteous through Christ. Not by your own ability, but you're righteous in Christ. You are righteous. And with that righteousness comes peace and joy. It's a natural byproduct of it. So the believer that loses their joy after salvation, and, and I can tell you, how many of you remember when you first got saved and you were just like, woohoo? Do you remember that? Uh, for me, it was probably, it might have been a few months. It was three, it was probably at least about two months. I mean, I was in church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday night, every Sunday school. I would go to other churches that were open on Saturdays, you know what I mean? And I was up front, and yeah, I want to, you know, it was just wide open. Yes, this is great. All my sins are forgiven. I mean, I've, I've given all this control up, and I'm, I'm so happy. And then about, I guess it was about two months, around about two months, it slowly started to, to fizzle a little bit. And it sounds bad as your pastor, like, not like I was losing my salvation or anything. It was just like that excitement began to fizzle. Have you all ever felt that? It did. I'm just being straight up honest with you. It began to go, okay, well, now what? Now I've got to figure this out. Well, what does this do? And unfortunately, I went kind of the direction that we've learned that we don't need to go in more performance, doing more, doing more. I've got to do more. I've got to go to church. I've got to do this stuff. And a lot of people say that. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I'm so frustrated with a lot of the um, a lot of things going on. I'm not even going to details about it, but talking to him about it. And, and in the midst of talking, he knows I'm a pastor, and so in the midst of it, he, I guess it clicked with him that I was a pastor. As, as he's telling me about his, he's having some real serious issues with his marriage and life and everything. He's like, and, and I know I need to go to church more. And I that's real common. You hear that a lot, don't you? And I know I need to go to church more. And, and I stopped him right there. I was like, hey, whoa. <laughs> I said, I think it's great. You need, it's good to go to church. Go to church more, yes. But it's not about church. It's about relationship. It's about the Father. And his heart is for a restored relationship in your marriage. And his heart is for... Um, life for your for you and for your kids and whatever it is or whatever the Lord has for you is relational. Church is good and I want you to come to church. I'd love for you to come to my church, go to another church, whatever. But it's not about you going to church that's going to fix all your problems. It's not. I can't fix all your problems. But relationally through the Holy Spirit, He can. Amen. I mean, He really can. Amen. I know it's a big statement, <laughs> but He can do it. Um. And so anyway, the, the enemy wants to make you doubt your righteousness. Um, joy, Peter describes, as unspeakable and full of glory. And I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about um, Snickers ice cream bars because <laughs> those are happiness. I'm not going to lie. But, I mean, you can only eat those so much. I don't know. Until you're unhappy with your, until you look in the mirror and you're unhappy with yourself. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> until you get a stomach ache, yeah. But I'm not talking about just happiness, right? This is different. This is unspeakable joy. This is, um, I, I mentioned last week about a couple of our worship team members and the things that they go through, and in the midst of them, they can still have joy. That is a miracle. That is supernatural. Um, people that have been through some of the worst, and I, I mean, I know all you guys. I know what y'all have been through. I know what you're going through currently, most of you. Um, and I, I can still see the joy in it. And I think that, I believe that comes from that, that confidence in knowing that you're righteous, knowing that you have peace, knowing that you can have pure joy with, without 
guilt and condemnation and all that kind of stuff that goes along with the kind that we try to produce, which is more happiness. Um, so uh, you can't take my joy because you can't take away the other two things. Uh, righteous and peace, if, if I'm righteous and I'm at peace, by default, I'm going to have joy. It's going to be a byproduct. We talk about fruit happening, fruit's going to happen. It, it's a natural byproduct of who we are. We don't have to work it up, just like the orange trees. We don't, we don't, we don't produce oranges by trying really hard. We, we're confident in the fact that we're planted and grounded in Christ and that this is what's going to be produced. We talk about the kingdom of heaven being like a mustard seed. It's going to grow so big in us that other people can, the birds of the air can land and rest because we'll be confident in who we are and we're righteous. Does that make sense? I say that a lot. I get corrected. It's like, you say that makes sense a lot. So now over analyze. I make up new words too. I do what I want out of the mic. All right, Romans. <laughs> uh, all right, Second Corinthians five twenty one. God, God made him who had. Listen, where do we? Here's a good place to find joy. I, I hope to hear woohoo after this. Um, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Woohoo! If you don't have joy in that, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> He said, he, said he, he, our sin is as far as the east is from the west. I think he did it on purpose because we know, even most recently, because there are some people that don't necessarily believe that, but we know that the earth is round. <laughs> and if you go to the east, you're going to keep going to the east, right? How far can you go to the east? I mean, I'm not going to talk about the west coast or east coast in America, but you just keep going. And if you can find the end of it, which you won't, then you go to the west. <laughs> you look for your sin over there. Good luck, <laughs> Right? It's gone. It's, it's done. Done deal. It get, it get no dunner. <laughs> I was joking with somebody about... <laughs> I was joking about... Uh, now I'm getting joy from silly stuff. Uh, I was getting in. That's okay, too. I, I, was getting, I was in a conversation with somebody about... Uh, is a friend of mine who witnessed to me who's a pastor in North Alabama somewhere, and I was talking to him on the road back from Louisiana last week, but none of that matters. I don't know why I'm telling you. About tweetable quotes and some of the some some churches that there was like a joke about it. It was a video, it was a John Christ video. It's kind of funny, but people were shopping for churches. I don't know if you've seen it, but one of them was like, er, all of his sermons are are tweetable quotes like stacked together. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I have any tweetable quotes, so don't tweet, <laughs> don't tweet that. I don't care. You can tweet if you want to. It get what did I say? It get no, it get no dunner. Do that, yeah. Boy. <laughs> Boy, what you, where'd you get your degree? All right. It get, get, get no dunder. <laughs> Wakiza. Who is this guy? <laughs> He's the pastor. Look, come here. This guy's the pastor. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> Look at his shoes. Look at his shoes. <laughs> Romans 4, 5 says, To him who does not work, not your job, work, <laughs> get a job, but talking about working for eternal life and working for salvation. Who, him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the godly, who justifies the good guys, the ungodly. Talk about another miracle. While we were still sinners, he justified us. How many of you, and I was the same way, once I get my life straight, I'm going to, to settle down and go to church. They don't understand. I didn't understand. You know, I thought about all my music that I listen to. I was like, I really like my music, and most of it's really bad. You know, and I cuss a lot, and I do all these things. Once I get all that stuff straight, I'm going to come 
But he says it right there. He's like, look, you can't fix yourself anyway. You can't do that on your own. I remember in high school trying not to cuss because I could tell that I sounded unintelligent. And I was like, eventually I'm probably going to need to get a job and I should probably not cuss out my employer. <laughs> and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I tried it on my own. And, not, and I'm not coming down on people that cuss. I don't care. I'm free from that. But it was a confirmation for me that something happened in my heart. It's one of those little things that God gave me as a deposit that I, I woke up three weeks after I got saved. I was like, ah, I'm not cussing anymore. Just something, something as simple as that. Personally, for me, it was something that I needed to understand that it was real. It was a manifestation of what had happened in my heart. Um, but in the same way, now looking back, I even see how it wasn't by my own performance. It was something that he took from me. He's like, nah, you don't need that. It's not a big deal. I mean, I don't care if you cuss or not, but it just sounds bad. Um, to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is, a, is accounted for righteousness. Here's, here's a vicious cycle we get into, we, uh, especially in, in a lot of the charismatic circles. We have a lot of altar calls, altar call, altar call, altar call, come up to the altar, recommit your life. Um, like I said during worship, how many times are you going to recommit your life? The problem with recommitting your life is it puts it back on you, and, and the problem with that is you're, you're essentially um, hand, handing the devil law to put you under again. Because what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better, I promise you, God, I'll do this. And then when you fail, it gives, it gives the devil a reason to go, no, you didn't. You're, you're, un, you're ungodly, you're unrighteous, you're no good, right? It sets you up to fail. Now, hear me clearly. This altar is always open. It's just wood and paint. But it's open to come and worship the king for what he's done for us. It's open to come and, and, just, and just pour out our adoration and laugh and cry and love him. And that's great, and I want that. Altar calls are great. I'm, I'm completely fine with that. You can do it in your seat, back there on the couch. Some people just sleep back there during my sermons. I'm cool with that, too. Take a nap. Soak it in. They're not asleep right now, but sometimes people do. And I'm fine. I, hey, I'm not offended by that at all. If this is the only place you can get some rest, take a nap. You're good. We'll pray for you afterwards and <laughs> clean up the slobber. Anyway, so, so anyway, <laughs> I don't think there's any slobber on those couches, by the way. Y'all are good. So, because uh, <laughs> most time, it just goes back. Anyway, the, uh, I've, I'm off, off top again. Come to the altar, worship the Lord. But listen, when you, when you, when you get in that cycle of, I'm going to make another promise. How many of you have done that? Lord, I promise I'm going to do this. I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do it again. And, and, and if, you'll just, if you'll just accept me again, if you'll just be good to me again, don't be mad at me again. Don't let me fall into this again. Just, just please, just do, just do this, and I'll, I promise I'll do this. I'll recommit my life, and I'll do this, and I'll do this. And what happens? Every time, it may be a week, it may be two years, it may be ten years, you mess up and you go, it's all over, game over, I'm done. I might as well just go back to, why is that? Because the devil's waiting patiently. Oh, you gave me some law, you gave me some law, let me, just, I'm just waiting. Because what's the law do? It kills. The Bible tells us it kills. That's what it does. It served its purpose to show us that it killed. And what's Christ do? He brings life. Think about this. Think about trying really hard, trying really hard, trying really hard, and then failing and how miserable you feel. Why is that? Yes, are, are, you, are you maybe hurting your relationship with, with God? Yeah, I, I can see that. It's, it's not good. But, but here's the thing. God's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He's hurt because you've, you've fallen, you've been duped. You've been duped. You've been lied to. And he's hurt because he goes, man, I got you. Same thing we saw in worship. Come, come sit down. 
Stop messing around with all these things you think are your enemies. I already killed them all. And when you, when you go and you bow down to one of those enemies, and you go, I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. Anxiety, fear, whatever it is, your real enemies, not people. Don't, don't be tricked there, but don't be duped and, and say, I can't do it. You win. And God's going, no, they don't. <laughs> You're living a false reality. You're living outside of the kingdom that I bought and paid for you. Um, amen. I'll amen myself. That was good. Stop. <laughs> so, so if we're righteous by Jesus and Jesus alone, and we are, you're righteous by Jesus and Jesus alone. Was he enough? Yes. Is he still righteous? Yes. Are you still righteous? Yes. Where's his kingdom? In your heart. There's no, there's no gray area there. There's no misunderstanding there. We either are or we aren't. Now, we talked briefly about the difference between uh, conversion and, and fully understanding metanoia. Are you playing catch-up in your mind? Yes. Are we in process? Yes. We're still in process up here. Here we're not. We're sealed here. It takes a long time for our mind to get in sync with what's going on in our hearts. A long time, even for me. Because you still see things. You still hear things. You still have your senses. I plan on preaching something eventually when I can get a grip on it. But talking about our senses, I heard Judah Smith a few weeks ago. I listened to a sermon. Talk, and he, he always does this. He's, I think he didn't, I don't know if he even realizes the revelation he has in little things as he's preaching. His message is great overall, but then he always hits on these little things and moves on. I'm like, hey, come back here. That was good. But he talked about um, something having to do with our senses, how we believe our senses. And to me, that spoke of kingdom really well because we'll lean so heavily on our, on our senses that we can be tricked, we can be duped by our senses when he's even above that. So anyway, I, I, I can't get into that too much. But anyway, um, same thing I said, and I wrote this down from uh, the, the uh, thousands of years that Judaism couldn't, couldn't hurt the devil, but Jesus did. He took care of it once for all. Amen. It is finished. Done deal. <laughs> it get no dunner. It could get no dunner. Um, so we fight the good fight. Anybody remember? We fight the good fight of faith. We all talk about we fight the good fight. We want to fight the good fight. We want to get out there and we're going to, you know, we're going to bust up the devil. We're going to do all this stuff. Yeah, good luck if you're doing it in your own strength. You'll get beat up and run off naked like they did in the Bible. Fight the good fight of faith. You can't leave that off. You can decoupage, fight the good fight on your wall if you want to, or cricket print it and stick it on the wall, whatever you want to do. But don't leave off of faith because it's of faith in Christ that we can do anything. Fight the good fight of faith. Faith. We could just say faith. Put that on your wall. <laughs> so where's our faith? Our faith, is in, our faith isn't in ourself. It's in Jesus Christ and him alone. So the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Say it. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Especially Chris. He hates repeating. Chris, no, I'm not, I'm not going to call you out. <laughs> he told me a long time ago, and he should have never. He's like, I hate it when preachers make me repeat stuff. I'm not a little kid. I don't know if that's exactly what he said, but anyway. I gotta give him a hard time. Um, so where? <laughs> everyone look at. No, I'm just kidding. Where are you gonna go when you run into trouble? Are, are we gonna go into our own strength, our own ability? Are we gonna run to Christ? Run to Chris? Oh yeah. Talking about righteousness, peace, and joy. In Romans five one, it says, "Since we've been justified or made righteous, declared blameless, now we have peace with God, and now we rejoice in the hope of sharing His glory." Yeah. Yep. That's so good. 
It's like joy. Um, Romans 4, 7 through 8 says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, those whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Think about, think about the prodigal son. Think about what happened when he came back and the father left his front porch and ran down the road and he didn't tell him, go get your robe and put it on, change your clothes, because he smelled like pigs, right? He st- <laughs> stripped him of his clothes, told him, bring me the robe, and he put it on him. Let me take care of that, because he didn't even want the stench of the pigs to remind him of the old life. He didn't, want to, he didn't even want him to remember it. This is not who you are. You are righteous. Let me put the ring on your finger. Let me put the, the, the uh, I just said it, robe. I kept wanting to say cloak. <laughs> cloak. That's what I think of, like vampires, but sandals. What? I don't know, maybe. I didn't write the scripture down. I'm just remembering the story because I'm just such a good pastor. I just remember stories from the Bible. <laughs> right off the dome. All right. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, <laughs> anyway, so our issue is not, it's not that we're unrighteous. Our issue is that we think we're unrighteous or we doubt our righteousness, right? We don't, we don't have the power to change that because we didn't have the power to get it. But we can try to convince ourselves that we're not. And we can be tricked. You talk about people that struggle with depression and, and anxiety and different things like that. It's, it's here. It's not here. You never change here. He's always here. We can't figure it out, and we, we get messed up, and we get sidetracked. We get duped for a little while. Um, but that's the, the, the repentance that's been, for some reason, transliterated into feeling bad about sin when that's not what it means. It means metanoia which is the renewing of your mind. Look at things differently because the kingdom of God is here and you should live from that reality, not your reality. You should see things from God's perspective, which is the point I wanted to make last week before Morgan Freeman got in my way because I have ADD, is see things from God's perspective because he came and saw them from our perspective and he made that great exchange. Would have been a great sermon if I could have finished it. <laughs> so, so he saw things from our perspective, sacrificed for us, changed, and so now we can see things from his perspective, right? The changing of, of the mind. Metanoia. Um, so if Jesus remains righteous, righteous, you're righteous. Um, I'm gonna. I'll come back to that because I think I want to wrap up with that scripture. It's a short scripture, Romans 15:13. But I'll come back to it. But imagine here's here's what I want to think about. Okay, I feel like we have a pretty good grip. This is this is what we get with the kingdom. We get what peace, joy, and righteousness. That's what comes with the kingdom. It's a natural byproduct of it. It's in our hearts. Now, because we can't physically see it, this is what I imagine. I want to walk around just to kind of to give you a little more visual demonstration of it, and then I'm going to wrap up. I know we're going a little bit over, but suck it up, buttercup. We'll be all right. Um, <laughs> you're not that hungry. There's kids. No, I'm not going to get in there. But imagine, th- think about this for a minute. Imagine f- literally following Jesus, right? So he's walking, and you're walking behind him, and you're seeing everything he's doing, right? And so he's walking, and then someone touches his, his robe and power leaves him. He goes, whoa, 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 everybody stop, and a group of people, and this is happening, and this person's healed, and someone else runs up to him, and, and they say, hey, you know, this person's dead, and he's like, ah, yeah, you think they are, but they're just sleeping, you know, and then they go, and they heal him, and, and, and then they go over here, and he raises this person from the dead, and he heals this person, and you're going, whoa, 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 I don't, but, ah, I don't understand this, this is radical, this is amazing, this, and then he starts talking about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. And then he demonstrates that kingdom. Boom, boom. And I think, because I'm simple-minded and 
I think of uh, um, Hadouken. Have you ever played that? <laughs> Have you ever played it? Is it Street Fighter? Street Fighter, yeah. I think of that. I think of Jesus like going around, Hadouken, Hadouken. He's just like <laughs> hitting people with the kingdom. And they're just like, boom, boom. And it's happening. There's this manifestation of the kingdom happening in, in real time, right? <laughs> Y'all are never going to fit that. Hadouken. Um, in real time, this is happening. And so the disciples are seeing it and they're following him. And they're building confidence. They're going, okay, I get it, I get it. But look at even how quickly they fell away after he died. He had to come back and remind them again. So this is, this, is, this is kind of what we do in here. We remind ourselves of who we are. We remind ourselves of the power that comes with the kingdom. And so even, even the best of us, even me, can begin to mess up and back up and, and get, get a little off track sometimes. We need to be reminded. That's why we come in here. This isn't, this isn't me, and I say this all the time, this isn't me trying to convince you of a, of a better way or me trying to convince you of my way or try to brainwash anybody. This is me seeing the reality and the revelation of the kingdom of God and reminding you of who you are. And, and hopefully, if you carry this Holy Spirit, it'll resonate with you. We talk about the two pianos at the either end of the, the, either end of the, the place. You, you, hit, you strike a chord on one, and the other one will vibrate to that same chord because it resonates within you. So if I, if, and I hope that I am, speaking truth from the Holy Spirit, it will resonate in you. And it doesn't just stop here. You don't check it at the door with your umbrella. <laughs> you carry it with you, and it continues to resonate in you, and it begins to build. And, you, and, and you're built in confidence, not because of your own abilities, but because of this grace that Christ gave it to you, and then you go out and you go, Hadouken! <laughs> and, and, you, and you can minister to people, and you can love them outside of your own ability, just like the Turners were talking about too. I can't afford it, but then God drops $40 in your lap, or, 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 or I can't do it monetarily, but I can, I can take them somewhere that, that they can get help. I can call Lonnie up because Lonnie you know, can help with this, or I can, we can go to the children's home once a month uh, and minister to these kids that have been hurt. Some of their innocence has been taken. So, some of them have been hurt. A lot of them have been abused. So we can we, we, we carry this power. Yes. I had an awesome testimony that I would love to share. It kind of fits in with everything you're saying. But I hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because somebody that listens to the podcast might not uh, I know. Okay. Is that weird? Stand up. Yeah, stand up. Um, well, I think everyone hopefully knows me. I don't mean to say this is not a boastful thing, and that's why I would probably not share it. Um, because I don't want it to be misconstrued as that. So hopefully you know me well enough. That's not what this is about. Um, at the beginning, I homeschool our two girls. And at the beginning of the school year, uh, the verse that I felt like God really strongly put on my heart was, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And so every morning when I would do my quiet time, it would just, I mean, it was crazy, like over and over and over in my head. I was like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. And um, <laughs> well, what does that really mean? And, and I felt like it was really just had to do with um, the girls and I's devotion time. And so we did these incredible devotions all year. And it's been unbelievable, the things that have come out of their minds and their hearts. And it's just been really beautiful. And I've been grateful for that. But it also took some time that I didn't really have. I didn't think I had. And, um, and there's, there's so much to this. Anyway, over the past few years, um, we've struggled with curriculums for math for our older daughter. Um, so she's done a year and a half of third grade math and a year and a half of fourth grade. So I felt like, oh, I'm kind of behind. But this seeking first was really important. So anyway, she finally finished, and I was going to look for her fifth grade curriculum book. And I tested her on three different sites or three different curriculums. And she's testing at the sixth, seventh grade wow. level. Wow. Like, I didn't do that. Right. It wasn't awesome. me. It's him. And I, don't, I just think I would have never thought of that as something God would want to add to me. Like, I, 
I don't know. You know, I think, oh, yeah, he might want me to do this or do that, or he'll add that. But like that, he knew the desire of my heart. And he wanted, like you, you want to give it to them. And he gave it to me. And, and I didn't work for it. And I just think, too, my girls are like, well, why don't miracles happen the same way as in Jesus' time? Like, well, don't they? I don't, like, what do we consider a miracle? I don't, for me, I'm like, that's incredible. <laughs> like, I didn't do that, and she didn't do, uh, anyway. So, that's so awesome. cool. <laughs> and I probably should have hovered on that scripture more, because it is, it's, we, we immediately default to, well, seek first his kingdom, and I'll get all the stuff. I'll get the car, or I'll get the, you know what I mean? I'll get the house or whatever. But it's more than that. Yeah. It's even better than that. I get the joy, I get the peace, I get the, I get the, um, that surpasses all understanding, I, I, even beyond things, it's, it's the reality that, that these things come with the kingdom. So you seek first the kingdom, and then everything comes with it, because it's the kingdom. <laughs> I mean, it seems simple enough, right? It's the kingdom. It has all these things, and it has a good king. It has a, it has a king that we call father, that we cry out, Abba, that we say, Daddy. And he goes, yeah, I want to get you a, you know, a Fitbit or whatever. You know, I want to... I want you to, I want, I know that you desire for your daughter to be in sixth grade and not be behind and you're stressed out or whatever. I, let me, let me help you with that. You know, it seems little to you or it seems little to us. It's probably big to you or vice versa or whatever. Anyway, um, so it's, it's, it's the reality of that happening in your life. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lonnie died a while back, but he's good. Lonnie, I think Lonnie, you all right up there? <laughs> All I, saw, all I see is a big thumbs up. That's awesome. There's his head. Woo! And here's the, here's the cool thing. Kingdom came upon Lonnie, and the kingdom came upon Jasmine. That was a miracle, and that was a miracle. Don't, don't compartmentalize God into your, your own perception of his reality. Let him show you. Allow him to move in you. Yes. No. Yes, of course you can. <laughs> we may be here all day. Buckle up. Testimony time. <laughs> Some of y'all have already heard this, so I'll try to make it short. But um, when faced with my husband's death uh, four years ago, he had a um, lung disease, pulmonary fibrosis. And we were told that he was, we knew it was fatal. It's always, there's little that can be done. And um, I kept asking the Lord why he would require that of me. And I really struggled. I just, I struggled because he was too young. We had only been married 41 years, not long enough. And um, so we were at Auctioner Clinic, and he had the machines. He had had them, of course, breathing machines and all this equipment and tubes, all that. And they had, um, and it was the day... It was the day he would die, and uh, I was in a total turmoil inside because I couldn't make sense of it. It didn't make sense in my view, <laughs> but it made sense in God's view. And um, when they finally um, turned off the machines and I was allowed to hug him for the last time, I had had this, all of a sudden, this peace came over me. I, I did not, that was nothing I expected. I had no idea that there would ever be peace again for me. 
But there was this supernatural, and later on they call it the peace that's beyond understanding. And that's really what it was. And that peace, I began, to, I, I felt like I was, I knew he was leaving, and I felt like I was going with him. And I had a sense of moving along a road of some kind, a path or a road. And as we moved, this joy overcame me, this joy unspeakable and full of glory. This joy came over me. That was just amazing. It was, it was, I can't describe it. I just, the greatest joy I've ever had, ever, was at that moment. As I said, I was going with him. And um, then Emily tapped me on the shoulder and brought me back. And I said, I'm, I was going with him. And she said, I know, but I can't let you go right now. But as I have walked through this season, I have referred back to that over and over again. That was a miracle for me. Yeah. That was a miracle of peace and joy as I released my husband to where he is. The Lord showed me where he was going and how good it was. <laughs> and he showed me that I was going to be okay too. And that was, a mir that was just that was a miracle of the kingdom. <laughs> and I'm so grateful. And I just wow. wanted to let y'all know about it. <laughs> And like I said, that's what, that's what he does. He, remind, he brings us together and reminds us of that. Just like you said, he, he reminds you of that. And it's the reality of the kingdom in our lives that does surpass our... We can't even fully explain it. So I'll leave you with this. I know we're way over, but uh, poor AJ, probably worn out over there. Um, so what do we do with it? Right? It's usually the next question. We have this kingdom. What do we do with it? Share it. Share it out. Share it out. That's me. Pour it out. Share it. It's not complicated. You don't have to go, you know, make it awkward, although sometimes it can be, but most of the time it's not. You just love people. Get to know them. When sin does what sin does and, and leaves them hanging one day, you're there for them. You can show them the way. You don't need to call it out in their lives. The Holy Spirit will do that. It's a big boy. You don't need to tell them what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. Um, once that day comes when they're ready to, to receive the Lord and, and they, they, they carry that Holy Spirit and that relationship's been built, then you can work out some of those details with them. You can help them. You can help build them up. You can remind them who they are. You can walk with them. You can disciple them. But first, you've got to build a relationship with them. One, one thing that Mark taught me that I, that I fought with at the very beginning, and I'd be at the back question, what about this? What about the kids are playing in traffic? Do I need to get to know them before I save them? I was the punk kid, thought I knew everything. He was like, you don't get it, but I'll explain. And Mark was very gracious um, for that. So, but the, <laughs> I don't think this is right. I was ready to get everybody saved. You got to get saved right now. You're going to go to hell. You know, and I was excited. My, my, my intentions were good, but I was just confused and young. And, but relationship is paramount in this because relationship is paramount for Christ. Because I thought back then that the goal was to get people to heaven, and it wasn't. Christ's goal was to reinstate the relationship with the Father. Heaven comes with it. The kingdom comes with it. But his goal was to reinstate the relationship. He, re, uh, he, he connected us back to Eden. He brought us back to right standing with God.
That was his goal. That was his accomplishment, and he finished it, and he did it. Done deal. Now that I know that, I can see how relationship is paramount because that's God's heart, not mine. Well, it is now. <laughs> that sounded bad. It is my heart now because God lives because Christ lives in there. So that's what you do with it. You share it. So if it, if it takes Haruken to remember, whatever. Haruken. Go out, share it. It's not complicated. Don't make it complicated. It's not about what you can do. Grace puts you in a peculiar position that now it's not about you. You can just share it. Stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you, and you guys can get out of here. Um, I, I, I'll tell you this much, too. If I'm just thinking about all the people that felt so loved here just for the Easter deal, you know, and, and some of them may never come in here for a church service, but I would rather, I would rather just one of them feel that kind of love coming in this place than, than 20 of them coming up and saying, hey, great sermon. I really learned a lot. In the same way on Sundays, I hope that people that come in here feel loved by all of us and, and feel direction by all of us. And like I said, we've we got some things coming up. I'm going to ask you guys to, to help us with some things. Number one goal is going to be that. It may, look, it may look a little more organized than I normally am, but the, our number one goal is to do that. Listen, the, the, the children's home thing has taken off so much so that my kids, I was out of town and one of them was sick, but they still all wanted to go. I was like, you can't, you're throwing up, you can't go, you know. And this was something I wanted to give Katie and her run with it, which she did. She's completely taken it and ran with it. But we love it so much, we want to do it all. I was like, I don't, want, I was like, I don't even want to be involved, I just want you to do it. And I've been to every one except for the last one. So I was like, this is really awesome. Yeah, and it's great. And, and so in the same way, there are going to be more of those things that come out of this church that are going to be not, not necessarily the sexy things that we publicize or, or video, even though those are fine too. We want to encourage people with those. But they're going to be the long-term relationship building, uh, um, real life, life-on-life relationship building things. I'm repeating myself. Relationship, relationship, relationship. Relationship, relationship, relationship. <laughs> Y'all get it? <sighs> You're the pastor? Is this really the pastor? <laughs> Lord, thank you for uh, your sense of humor. Lord, thank you for your joy unspeakable. Lord, thank you for your peace, and thank you that both of those come from our righteousness in you. Lord, continue to remind us of who we are when we mess up, that we don't recommit our lives, Lord, but we come to your feet and we thank you. We thank you for who we are in you. We thank you that you, you reach back out to us and you take those filthy rags off again. And you say, look, stop putting the rags on. I've got a robe for you. <laughs> stop going back thinking you're somebody that you're not. Stop dragging around a dead life that you're not. Stop going back to a system that's not there. It's, it's me or nothing. <laughs> I'm all you got. Not me. I'm talking about Jesus. Lord, uh, thank you for, for revelation. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Um, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.